Grace. It's more than a name, and it's more than just a nice word. The Bible mentions grace all throughout its 66 books. But what exactly is it? How do we access it? What do we use it for? Today, Neil introduces us to our new series, A Life of Grace, by defining biblical grace. In the coming weeks, we'll look at applications of grace, but for now, let's listen in to the intro. Welcome to Challenge. I was thinking about this and kind of getting ready for it, and the great work there, John, again on the video, kind of, you know, that is the best that Steve has looked since 2011. Um, but, uh, yeah, oh, that's, that's, that, I know that's harsh. Um, trust me, that's the best he's looked. Um, so anyway, as I was thinking about this, I thought actually back to a time when I was in grad school. We had this one guy that taught at a university near us, and he was like the number four mathematician in the world or something, you know. And somehow he and I became friends. It didn't add up. But it was one of those things. And, and so, no, I know. But it didn't. But we, uh, we became friends. And this guy, was, this guy was an author. And so he was writing a book. And he brings it over to me one day. And he goes, Neil, I want you to read this and, and give me your thoughts. And so I read the first chapter and um, didn't have any thoughts. And uh, it was a book on absolute zero. Yeah, I know. Thrilling. Uh, and I sat there and read it, read it again, read it the third time, and I said, yeah, I got nothing. And he goes, well, yeah, I, I, I don't get it. You know, he goes, no, no reason, no reason to, uh, to be modest, really. I want your feedback. And I thought, it's good. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, I had nothing. I kind of feel that same way as I try to approach the subject of God's grace with you. In that, I, I think it's one of those things, you know, we love to experience it, but trying to define it, trying to get our hands, trying to get our heads wrapped around that sometimes can really be difficult. And so as we get started tonight, what I'd like to do is like to just take a minute and pray and ask God to just speak very clearly to us today so that we can begin. Is, it, is this running out or are we, we just going in up? Okay. Okay. Great. So we can just uh, understand a little bit more and be able to put into practice some of the things we get from tonight. So let's take a minute and pray and we'll do that. Father, we thank you that because of Jesus, we can uh, come and we can ask you to, uh, to really speak very personally to each one of our lives. We can ask you to really illumine us, to help us to understand things that, that may be confusing to us and help us to, to really clearly begin to see things as it were from your perspective. So Father, would you help us to do that tonight? And Father, would you remove distractions uh, from our minds? Things that we're thinking about, um, you know, tests that are coming up, uh, you know, dates that aren't, things that just would get in the way. Father, would you help us to really tune into what you have to say and, and listen uh, to you tonight? And we pray those things in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to be looking uh, over the next few weeks at a life of grace. And what does that look like? Um, grace is one of those topics. A lot of people talk about it. Um, how, how it really is sometimes, like what you find is that the way we tend to think about it, and sometimes what the Bible has to say about it, those can kind of differ. Those can kind of be very different. And so often what I think we think sometimes is grace is kind of limited 
to salvation. It's kind of like, okay, you know, this is how you get in. You know, you get in by grace and then you got to work really hard. And that is so not true. I mean, grace is something you need every step of the way, all the way through your life, all the way through your walk with him. So we're going to look at that. Um, some people I find love grace, especially when it's applied to them. Other people are a little troubled by it because they feel like, you know, I kind of like to think I just did this myself and uh, I don't really, you know, want somebody stepping in and helping. But what you find is that to think that it's something we do on our own, that is to totally not understand the nature of God and it's totally not to understand the impact of sin on us and our need of grace. And so we're going to look at that tonight and try to get our minds wrapped around. Here's the definition I would like us to operate off of tonight. There are many definitions and some of them really good. I appreciate those. This is the one we're going to operate off of tonight. Grace is the provision of God through Christ that is available to us to fill the gaps in all the arenas that we face. Let me repeat that for you. Grace is the provision of God through Christ available to us to fill the gaps in all the arenas that we face. So the first part of that, grace is the provision of God. You know, multiple times when you look at scripture, what you'll see is grace is referred to as a gift. Now, what are the characteristics of a gift? Undeserved. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, you don't deserve it. Someone just gave it to you. It's free. free. Yeah. You can't earn it. You can't, it's not like, you know, it's not like, you know, someone walks up and gives you a gift and you go, how much is that? And they're like, no, it's a gift. You know, it's, you cannot earn it. You do not deserve it. And that is the very thing you see about grace at at the outset is that is so true about it. It also has some other characteristics. It's infinite. Now, a lot of times I think we look at grace like, is God going to run out? Is he up there? You know, I mean, like if there's a few guys I hang out with, I think they use more. Uh, So, you know, is is he going to run out, you know, and you kind of you kind of look at some of that. In fact, have you ever had a thought like not that you would repeat out loud, of course, but I mean, a thought somewhere in your mind where you thought, I wonder if God's grace even covers this. I wonder if it does. Or am I stuck this time? And you begin to see, and you find, no, God's grace is infinite. It's not only infinite, but you find out it's also sovereign. God gives his grace to whomever he wants, however he wants, whenever he wants, because he's God and he's God all by himself. And so what you see, it is the provision of God. Now, sometimes it manifests itself in in a certain power, like you're able to do something that you couldn't do otherwise. Like for some of you, the idea of discipline is something that, you know, is foreign. Uh, let's just say, you know, I mean, for some of you, you know, the idea, some of you, the idea of just, wait, why is that ringing like this? Okay, maybe I should step back somewhere. Do I need to step back here or something? Is that going to do that? Okay, I'll step back. Um, I don't know whether you hear that or not, but it sounds loud to me. So, um, in, <laughs> so anyway, sometimes it manifests itself in, in the area of power. And like you're able to do things that you couldn't do before. You're able to, you know, suddenly... Uh, 
be more disciplined or you're able to actually grow, you're able to actually come up with things that you couldn't come up with before. Sometimes it's like it. Sometimes it's like perspective. You're facing some things in your life that anybody else would look at your life and they'd come in and they'd go, good night. How do you deal with that all the time? And you're just like, no, you know, it's okay. Sometimes it's perspective. Sometimes it's power. You know, sometimes when you look at it, it's just peace. Now, for some of you, you know, you think I I could use more of that. Yeah. Well, what you'll find is in every one of Paul's letters that he wrote, in both of the letters that Peter wrote, and in two of the letters that John wrote, all of them have one phrase that you see over and over and over and over. And they say this, grace and peace. And they're always in that order. Because what you find is peace is a natural byproduct of grace filling your life. The more that grace fills your life, the more that it's really in charge of your life, the more peace rules and reigns in your heart. And the opposite is true also. The more turmoil that's in there, the less you're really appropriating and living in the grace of God that he has for you. Now, it's peace in two things. Romans 5.1 talks about, you know, because of what Christ has done, we have peace with God. So that's part of what you find is, you know, it's the peace with God that we live out. The other aspect of it, it's the peace of God. In, in John 14.27, Jesus said, my peace I give you, my peace I live with you, leave with you, not as the world gives peace. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Now see, a lot of times we think of peace and we just have this picture of kind of a cow in the middle of a field or something, just kind of, you know, and we're like, that's so peaceful. And we kind of sit there and look and we think, is that what God gives us? The cow in the middle of it? No, it's not. Not as the world gives. No, that's not it. You know, Norman Rockwell, no, that's not it. What you find is it's more like this. It's more like a little bird sitting there and this storm is just pouring rain and wind is blowing and beating against everything. And in the middle of all this thing, tucked away just out of the reach of the storm in the cleft of the rock sits this little bird, totally at peace. And what you'll find is that's really a more accurate picture of the peace that God gives you. It's not like an absence of conflict. It's not like, you know, everything is just, you know, all peaceful and and, and fun. No, it's not like that at all. It's as the world is raging around you, as everything seems like it's falling apart sometimes, there you are totally at peace because of the grace of God. And so what you're going to find is there's several things that it's the provision of God, but the provision of God through Christ, through Christ. John reminds us in John 1.17, he says, For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. In fact, what you find is that it's only through Christ that we, if we're ever going to experience the life God wants us to experience, if we're ever going to experience the relationships God wants us to experience, if we're ever going to experience the peace and the purpose and the perspective and everything else that God wants us to be about, what we have to do is begin to live a life of grace. Begin to actually understand that, begin to live that. So it is the provision of God through Christ that is available to us. 
And I, I, I put that like that for one simple reason. Just because something's available to us does not mean we've accessed it. You know, I mean, you, you can have people that, you know, find out, you know, years down the road. I, I read a story one time about a guy that he, he got, like, later on in life, and then he found out that he had been left all kinds of wealth, and he had been living in poverty for years. And he found out that although he was heir to this stuff, although it was supposed to be his, he had never known about it. And so appropriating, living it, no, no. He had no access to any of that for the simple fact he was largely unaware of it. And so what you find is it's available to us, but what keeps us from accessing the grace of God? Well, the answer to that is found in the book of Jonah. And so what you find is this, Jonah was one of those, for those of you that don't know the story, God tells Jonah at one point, this is a guy that lived during Old Testament times, he was one of the prophets, and God tells Jonah, Jonah, I have something I want you to do. I want you to go to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was the home of the Assyrian Empire, and the Assyrian Empire, I mean, these guys could be, like, nasty. I mean, like, these were the guys that came in when they conquered a certain nation. They would come in, and they would take and slaughter many of the people, but then the ones they wanted to take with them, they would take them, and they would take these large hooks, and they would run them through their mouth and out, and they would carry them along back to, and they would walk for miles like that back to Nineveh, back to the capital, and take them along. So this is the group that God is telling Jonah he wants him to go to. And Jonah's response is, Makes sense to me. Uh, Nineveh's that way? I'm going. And so he heads off totally different direction. You know, uh, he's out of there. And he starts, he gets on this ship. And if you remember this story, or those of you that haven't heard it, I'll just go ahead and tell you. You know, he gets on this ship and he starts taking off. And all of a sudden, the wind starts blowing and the waves are whipping over the ship and everything else. And the guys on board are going, Something's, something's up. This doesn't normally do this. And, and Jonah goes, it's me. I'm running from God. And they go, what should we do? He goes, throw me overboard. And they go, okay. And so uh, they do. The next thing you know, they toss him in and everything calms down. And Jonah's in the water and he's beginning to drift towards the bottom and get tangled and stuff. When God sends this big fish along who takes Jonah in, now Jonah's sitting there within the belly of this fish and all the acids and other things, you know, just getting all fixed up. And as he's going along, suddenly it says in verse 7, it says, he began to think, he began to cry out to God. And what, this is what he says in verse 8. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. And so you look sometimes and you think, man, so how do, we, how do we begin to access the grace that God offers? You've got to let go of idols and really receive the grace that God wants you to have. And you begin to look at that, you think, wow, I mean, I, you know, sometimes we just want to hold on to those things. Have you ever noticed? Sometimes... We want to hold on to things because what we're really sure is this. We think, you know, I, I, I kind of understand what you're saying. I need to let go of that. But honestly, 
I kind of think that the stuff I'm holding on to is really right, or I kind of think the stuff I'm holding on to is really going to bring me life. That's exactly what Jonah thought. For Jonah, the thing he wanted to hold on to was just his prejudices. He, he was like, God, I don't, I know what you're like, God. You are one of those kind, compassionate, loving gods. And if I go over there and I talk to these people and I tell them, repent, you know what you're liable to do? You're liable to forgive them. And I don't want them forgiven. But ultimately, Jonah comes to the point where he says, you know what? Those who cling to worthless idols, they forfeit the grace. It could be theirs. He ultimately ends up going and speaking to the Assyrians. And uh, they do. They repent. And God spares them. Tim Keller, Tim Keller says this. Um, he says, an idol is whatever you look at and say in your heart of hearts, if I had that, then I'd feel my life had meaning. Then I know I'll have value. Then I'll feel significant and secure. Now my question to you is, is what, what is that for you? What is that thing that you would cling to? Because you're just sure. Surely significance is found there. Surely security is found there. Surely that's where meaning, that's where value is really found. Surely that's it. What's the thing you'd cling to? Because, see, I don't know about you, but here's the thing. I used to, uh, you'll have to take this by faith, I used to be an athlete. And, um, you know, back in the day, like, uh, one of the things I, I did was I was a wrestler. And what you found was this, that, you know, if you went out there, um, one, of, one of the uh, reasons you wanted to have all the spots on the team filled, because sometimes guys from the other team didn't make weight or something. And if they didn't make weight and they couldn't, uh, they couldn't wrestle, and if they couldn't wrestle, guess what you got? A forfeit. That's right. So you got the points right there. And you know what we began to find? Forfeits like you didn't even show up. You didn't even compete. You just gave it away. That's what he says right here in this verse. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace. That could be, and some of you may be thinking, well, the idols I have aren't very worthless. Honestly, I mean, they're you know, kind of worth that. You know, no, 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 no. Worth in that they can do for you all that God can do for you. All of them are worthless then. Only he can do what he can do for you. And so those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. So, you know, God's grace is readily available. But what you find is, to really access it, one of the things you've got to do is you've got to stop going after everything but his grace and actually begin to focus. So it is the provision of God through Christ available to us to fill the gaps, to fill the gaps. Now, there are a number of things that you look at and you begin to figure out, okay, this is what's needed and this is what you got. And what the grace of God does time and time and time again is it steps in and fills the gap between who you are, between what you've got, between what you can do and what needs to be done. God's grace steps in and fills the gap time and time again. 
And it fills the gaps in all the arenas you face. Now, what, are, what arenas are those? Well, the very first one would be, you know, you coming to him. You actually beginning a relationship with him. You coming into a relationship with him. Um, you talk about a gap. You know, can, can you imagine if, you know, Devin's here and, and Devin says, uh, hey, you know, so what's really required in this course? And I go, not a problem, Devin. You need to be able to come up with all of the right answers 100% of the time on all the tests. He's like, or, or you fail. Is there a curve? No curve. It's like, is there another class uh, that I could take? You know, I mean, that's how you feel sometimes, isn't it? I mean, and you start looking at that in life and you go, okay, what's, what's God's grading scale? Well, it's simple. All the right answers, all the right time, all the time, and no curve. And you're like, that seems impossible. It is. Thus our need for grace. It fills the gap that we would normally have right there. Ephesians 2, 8, 9. When this first hit me, I was, um, I was in high school. I had, uh, you know, just, I mean, I'd been hanging around, getting to know a few guys that were believers for a while. I was beginning to uh, go to church and hang out some with some of those guys and, and get to know some of them. And I'm there, and all of a sudden, one night, I go to hear this one guy speak because, you know, he seemed like somebody I wanted to hear. So I go there, and he's talking that night, and he says, now, some of you have the idea that, you know, if you're just good enough and your good outweighs the bad, that you're going to be fine with God. And I thought, that's not right. He goes, but that's not right. And I thought, oh, okay. You know, I thought, we're there. And then he goes, now, others of you, you think, you know, if you believe like, you know, Jesus was the son of God and, and that he died for your sins and, and, you know, you just believe those facts and then, you know, you good outweighs the bad, then you're okay. And I thought, there you go. And he goes, but that's not right. I thought, what? I thought, could you back that up again? I mean, I think that was right. I think you missed an answer, you know, and nah. And then he talked about Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. It's not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not as a result of works so that no one would boast. And he said, you know what? It is not a matter of trusting anything you're doing. It's trusting what God's already done. And it's not a matter of, of you needing to add anything to it, but it's fully been completed by God. And that's what you're going to find in your life when you begin to walk in grace, when you begin to live a life of grace. What you'll find is God doesn't relate to you out of what you do for Him. He relates to you out of what He's already done for you. And so what you need to do for those who are just beginning a relationship is you just Transfer your trust from anything you're doing to what he's already done. And you just rest in that. And if you do that, what you'll find is, you know, that's you really begin to develop a relationship with God. But it's also needed in other areas. It's needed as we begin to grow in him. In Colossians 2, 6 and 7, he says, Paul says this, Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, 
having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him and established in your faith, just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. He says, as you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord. Well, what did Ephesians 2, 8, 9 talk to us about? How did you receive him? By grace, through faith. How do you grow in him your whole life? By grace, through faith. You simply trust him, you lean into him, and the grace of God will provide all that you need for you to begin to grow and you to begin to really get to know him. Now, some of you may look at that and think, so, like, is, is God like, is he like not pleased? I mean, is he, is he uh, like, if, if, if I'm not doing it, is God not pleased? Well, no, no, no. I mean, before you, you know, get out of bed in the morning, before your little feet, or in Kyle's case, larger feet, before those ever hit the floor, before you've ever done anything, God is as pleased with you as he's going to be. He loves you just as much. There's nothing you're going to do that's going to change it. But here's what you find. It's, it's kind of like what this guy, um, oh, what is his name here? George McDonald, what he said. He said this, God is, where are we here? God is easily pleased. You'll see that on this next slide right here, coming up shortly. He says this, God is easily pleased, but not easily satisfied. He's easily pleased, but not easily satisfied. And you think, well, what does that mean? You know, well, I'm, I'm glad you asked. Um, it, it's, it's just like this. You know, we have four kids, amazing children. Um, they, you know, they would look around and, you know, when they were at a young age, what they would do is they would be sitting in their, you know, little cribs right there or something. And they would be watching us and like Melinda or I would walk by and the kids would go, my, what amazing peripatetic action. I believe I shall walk. And then they would just hop out of the crib and they would begin to walk. You don't believe that. Well, it's true. It's not. That's not what happened at all. You know, what happened was, you know, they would stand up, they would fall down, they would stand up, they would fall down. Finally, they would begin to take a step. Now, when they took a step, I mean, you know, you would have thought they just discovered a cure for cancer. You know, I mean, they would, I mean, I remember Jennifer the first time she's sitting there and she's across the room, she's holding onto the couch, and I said, Come here. And she let go of the couch, and I thought, Oh, oh, oh. And she takes like three steps. Well, actually, about one and a half. And then she plops, you know. Now, were we pleased? Oh my gosh, we're calling people. You're not going to believe it. It's the you know, first child in the world that's ever walked. And I mean, we're so excited about it. I mean, we're, you know, we're just jumping up down. Oh, if only we'd had a camera. I mean, we're just so excited about this, you know. I mean, which we had our phones back then, but we didn't. So, I mean, we're all excited about this. Now, were we pleased? Yeah. Were we satisfied? No. See, we didn't just go, okay, you're good. Just sit there the rest of your life. Um, you know, you took your step. You know, no. See, we weren't really pleased until she could just walk with us, like all the time. And that's what you'll find with God. He's the same way. He's easily pleased. He's just not easily satisfied. He wants you to be able to walk with him the rest of your life. And so what he'll do is he'll, he'll come along and he'll, he'll say, come on. You know, you need to do this. You And he's like, you can do this. I will give you the grace to do this. But step into this and begin to trust me, begin to walk. 
And so what you find is that is exactly what God's like. It's also needed as we minister to others. See, one of the things that's supposed to be true about your life is, and the traveling team talked a little bit about this last week, is that as God's grace flows into you, it's not supposed to just stay there. That would be like the Dead Sea, okay? You know, very rich, very beautiful, very dead. That's not what it's supposed to be like. It's supposed to be it flows in, it flows out. It flows in, it flows out. So as you begin to minister to others, in Ephesians 3, 7, Paul says this, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given to me through the working of his power. See, what we are to do as we go out with others is we are to be like grace bearers out in the world. We are to be grace bearers in our words. We're to be grace bearers in our actions. We're to be grace bearers in our attitudes. We're to be grace bearers so that as other people run into us, they begin to experience the grace of God for themselves. And so, you know, you think, what, what does that look like practically? Well, like in, in your words, it looks like, you know, Ephesians 4.29, where he says, let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification, according to the need of the moment, that it may give grace to those who hear. So he says, think about what you're going to say before you speak. Or like Proverbs 15.1, where he says, a soft answer turns away wrath. But a harsh word stirs up a quarrel. So somebody comes up and says something to you in a certain tone, you know, just as you're getting ready to bold all up and say something back, instead he says, you know what? Pump the brakes. Choose a soft word. Choose a gentle answer. So that's what it means to extinguish. You think, well, but they talked to you in a harsh word. They didn't deserve that, right? They didn't earn it. They didn't deserve it. But you do it because you're a grace bearer. As far as what does it look like in, in your actions, it looks like what we talked about for the last you know seven weeks of extending love to people, accepting them, befriending them, serving them, you know, uh, correcting them, uh, bearing with them, forgiving them. Those are are the hallmarks of what it means to really live a life of grace is you love them like Jesus loved us. If you've missed any of those, you can go back and listen to them again. You can figure out, okay, that's what that's about. Yeah, that's how you do it. That's how you extend grace in your actions. What about in your attitudes? You know, in your attitudes, some of it is just the way you choose to think about things. Like in, in Proverbs 19.11, it says, you know, the discerning one is slow to anger. And he does that, and he's quick to overlook a transgression. Now, you may look at that, and you may think, I don't know, that's very smart. I mean, sometimes people do stuff to you, and it hurts. Right. I agree. And some things are bigger, and they need to be dealt with. But I mean, some things, I mean, have you ever noticed, it's real easy for us to think that things with us are bigger than they are? Now, like, you ever gotten a paper cut? You know, you ever done that? I do this all the time. I don't know why. People send letters, and I just think, I'll run my finger right across here, and I do. And, you know, a lot of the times it works. Some it doesn't. I go, ow. But I don't go to the emergency room and go, I have a paper cut. 
uh, I'd like to be seen by an attending physician. No, I don't do that. I mean, you know, I think it hurts, but I'll just get over it. And you know what? There's things like that in our lives that, you know, maybe we have some interaction with somebody, but the attitude we need to have, you know, that may have hurt a little bit, but I'll just get over it. I mean, that's not that big of a deal. And so you, you it's not that you're dismissing like nothing happened. No, it happened. And, you know, it, yeah, it was, but it wasn't a huge deal. So sometimes what you do is you just move past that. In Ecclesiastes what is it, 7, verse 21, he says, Do not say, take seriously all words which are spoken. Otherwise, you will hear your servant cursing you. And you yourself also know that you likewise have many times cursed others. So what is he saying there? He says, sometimes you're going to hear something like, did you know so-and-so said this? And you go, well, I'll tell you what. You know, and your whole attitude is, boy, I'm going to go and say this, or I'm going to go and do this. And he says, you know what you need to do there? Just extend grace. In your attitude, just say, hey, you know what? Take God seriously. Don't take myself so seriously. It's okay. You know what? I mean, it's not, it's not that big a deal. In each of those things, look to extend grace. Look to live that out. Look to make that a real difference in your life. Now, it's one thing for us to have grace. It's another thing for us to actually experience that. Like, there's one thing about the truth of grace and the reality of grace, and there's a whole other thing about experiencing it. So how do you begin to really experience the grace of God in your life. And you know, I, I think you're going to find there's two, two ways. There may be more than two ways. I'll give you two ways I know of. One is through other people. What you're going to begin to find is this, that as you are in community, again and again and again, you get snapshots of grace in your life. You know, have, have, have any of you ever done something really stupid and then somebody loved you, and treated you well anyway? Yeah, that's grace. Have you ever done something where you knew, you know what, I said this, or I did this, or I didn't do this, or I had this attitude about them, and I said it, or I, I you know, I had this attitude over here, and you knew, you know, they would be justified to really treat me poorly the rest of my life. And then you realize, but they didn't. What they did was they chose grace. And that's the thing you want to do. Again and again and again, what you're going to find is not only do you long for people to do that with you, but there's people out there that are longing for you to do that with them. They need to experience the grace of God. Probably the place you're going to experience it more often than anywhere else is not just through other people, but where you're going to experience it is, is within a growing relationship with Christ, in a growing relationship with Him. When you look at that, you know, um, that's where things like spiritual disciplines come in. Spiritual disciplines aren't something to like earn the favor of God or merit, you know, no, 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 not at all. Spiritual disciplines aren't a matter of merit. They're a matter of wisdom. It's just a matter you use spiritual disciplines so that you can get to know him better and so that you can get to grow in your walk with him. 
And as you do that, what you'll find is that God again and again and again and again will just, you know, gift you with different things in grace. As we wrap up this, I want you to look at these verses. In Hebrews 4, 15 and 16, the author of Hebrews says this, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. And then verse 16, Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Four quick things about this right here. First, right there, he says, let us draw near. Actually, the words, when you look at the words in the original language, what, it, what the words mean is, let us keep on coming to. It's a perpetual action. It's like, let us keep doing this. Let us keep on coming to him. To who? To our sympathetic high priest, Jesus. Keep coming to him. He says, to the throne of grace. Now, it's the throne of grace because, you know, it, it's the one that Jesus sits on. Hence, what you do is you, you come with confidence to him and you kind of lay out your whole story with all its shortcomings before him. You keep coming back to him because why? Because he gets it. He's been where you are. He's lived it already. And he understands you. And he says, you come with him with confidence so that you may receive mercy and find grace to help. There again, we find those both because Christ is on the throne. When he's on the throne, we find both of those. And then this last little phrase, he says, in time of need. Now that's a great phrase. And in the Greek, what it means is it, it means for help in the nick of time. Just in the nick of time. And what you'll find is that is exactly how God gives us grace. He's never late, but he's never on our schedule. And what you're going to find is that as you walk with him, as you really get to know him, as you really live the life he wants you to live, he provides exactly what is needed at exactly when it is needed. And you can begin to experience that life with him. Now, what, what I'd like us to do I'd like you to think about two questions as we kind of wrap up tonight. You know, when Paul was talking about grace, what he said, God's definitive word for him was, he said, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. And we'll be looking at that more in, in the days ahead. But I want you to answer two questions in your mind, or if you're writing something down, you can write that down and figure that out. What do you need to do in your life right now to experience more of God's grace? What do you need to do in your life right now to experience more of God's grace? You know, for some of you, you know, that, that may be, you know, stepping towards a relationship with Him. For others of you, that may be beginning to, to grow. For others of you, that may be, you know, something all up there. But what do you need to do? And the second question I, I would want you to think of, we're falling apart out here. And the second question I want you to think of, what do you need to do to extend grace to somebody else this week as well. What do you need to do to do that? Maybe it's going to be a word. Maybe it's going to be changing an attitude. Maybe it's going to be some actions that God has for you. But what, is, what does he want you to do for that? So let's take a minute. Let me pray for us. And then we'll turn this back over.
to the team. Father, your grace is, um, it is so amazing. I mean, it is something we cannot get our minds wrapped around because it doesn't make sense. If we got what we deserve, we would not get grace. But you, out of your kindness, have chosen to relate to us, not just one time, but throughout our lives. Your agenda is a life of grace. In fact, Father, that's your story throughout Scripture. From beginning to end, a story of grace. Whether, whether it's Judah, whether it's Rahab, whether it's the prodigal son or Paul, or whether it's us, you've chosen to relate to us by grace. So, Father, would you help us to step into that and to experience that and then to extend that to others? throughout our lives. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to the USC Christian Challenge podcast. You can find us on your favorite podcast platforms where you can also give us a review. We meet in person every Thursday night at 7.30 p.m. in TCC 450 on the campus of the University of Southern California. If you're in the area, we would love to see you there. Get involved with us and find out more about us, upcoming events, and weekly small groups on Instagram at USC Challenge and on our website, uscchristianchallenge.com.